are listening to Built to Play. And you're listening to Radio Free Krypton. I'm Armin Bali. I'm Daniel Rosen. And I'm Justin Chandler. And we're doing a joint bonus episode of two CJRU shows. And we're doing it in support of CJRU 1280 AM. We'll get to that again a little later. But also, this is to say thank you to all of you folks who supported both our shows during the Fall Fun Drive. You made this episode possible. And this episode is? We are going to talk for as long as we possibly can about Spider-Man. Like the video game? The one we gave an award to? Partially that, but also how the Spider-Man himself as a character has changed across movies, games. But let's start with this. Uh, Justin, what do you know about Marvel's Spider-Man, the full name of this video game for PS4? Well, there's uh, there's Spider-Man, and he's a, a man who has the, the strength of a proportional spider. And what does that mean? He, I guess it means that if he was spiders, like the spider can lift like a twig. Spiders. It's like if you made a spider as big as him, <laughs> yeah. the spider could lift as much as he's like lifting, a spider which I can don't lift think like is true. So many times its weight, I guess. Right. I'm and googling this. How much more so can a spider lift from itself? Spider strength. I'm <laughs> yeah. googling this right now. Well, not spider strength. Jim in Raleigh, North Carolina. <laughs> That's not what I want. But okay. I think the most important thing to know about Spider-Man is that he has crippling anxiety and fear that whatever he's doing, he's not doing enough and that he'll let down the people who he cares about and the people who rely on him and that everything bad that happens that he doesn't prevent, he's responsible for. So you're saying he's a millennial. Yes. Okay. So The world's most powerful millennial. Yeah. <laughs> Um, is that like the, the new GQ uh, magazine cover, uh, an American millennial? And it's just yeah, a and it's just a picture of Spider-Man. It's a picture or like of a Spider-Man. Toronto Life segment yeah. where it's like hot young people living in the city. What are they doing? How are they spending their money? How, how, do the, how, do, how does this out-of-work college professor and, and part-time photographer make his living in a like 20-foot-long apartment? Yeah, you look at his expenses, it's like four grand a month on web fluid. And he just Because it's Toronto Life and he doesn't want to tell anybody, he just says that it's his his car yeah yep. <laughs> it's a uh, oh uber payments yeah yeah by the way uh spiders can, uh a uh, uh, jumping spider can uh can grip up to 170 times their own weight okay. so proportionate spider strength is pretty nuts actually okay. proportion can grip it or can lift it can grip it which means that like the the, the amount that it would require like they've, okay, they've translated okay. out to like lifting strength right how much it would how much force it would take 170 times basically their weight in force to pull them off mm. of something so that is how strong they are. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's, I'm glad that we have learned so much about spiders and children and us. And men. And, men. and millennials. The, what is Spider-Man the video game, Dan? Spider-Man the video game is a game by, oh goodness, this is Insomniac, right? Yes. I always get them in Naughty Dog confused um, because they make the same video games. The, uh, the game is about playing the Spider-Man kind of maybe at a, at a middle to late point in his career of being Spider-Man. Um, and, uh, basically having all the bad Spider-Man things happen to him. Everybody betrays him. The city is in chaos. Everything looks terrible. Uh, and it's up to the Spider-Man himself to save it. I keep saying the Spider-Man. <laughs> I used to say that ironically now, or unironically, or, or rather, no, I did say it ironically. And now I feel like I just say it unironically as the way I refer to the character. It's a problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just think it's a good title. It's, yeah. it's a man who became a, who became spidered. Yeah, he he is the man with the spider abilities. It's also a game about I feel like three very important things, which is one, the relationship between uh, a young unpowered Miles Morales and yeah. Peter Parker or Spider-Man at various times. Um, listening to horrible alt-right podcasts to, just to see what's going on in them, uh, which is a core part of this game for some reason, uh, and swinging on things really good. Yeah, 
and and then on top of that, there's like, uh, I don't know, crimes happening or something. Sometimes, yeah. So, I mean, okay, so it takes place in New York City where all Spider-Man games occur. Um, Justin, what do you, like, you have read a lot of Spider-Man comics, and I assume have seen a lot of these movies. Mm-hmm. What would you say is, like, necessary for, like, if you, if what is, like, the landmarks, the things you want to see in, like, a representation of Spider-Man's New York? Okay. Definitely just Uncle Ben dying all the time. <laughs> just just give me that nonstop Uncle Ben death. Inject that dead Uncle Ben right into my veins. That's actually, it is surprising that they don't do the origin story in this game. It may be the only, like, Homecoming didn't do it either, which was lovely. I've, I'm glad that we're finally at a point where we don't have to have the origin yeah, story. Yeah. But I am a little surprised it's not in this game. No, well, I, I, I'm on your side there. I don't actually want dead Uncle Ben all the time. I think that <laughs> Spider-Man's got a great origin story in that you can explain it in a couple sentences like they do in the Spider-Verse movie for people who've seen that. Yeah. Um, but I think that definitely you want web swinging. Like you guys said, there's got to be some good travel. You want to be able to see the city that he's in. I think you need some classic Spider-Man villains. So maybe like a Doc Ock or a Sandman or Green Goblin. I actually think Green Goblin's kind of lame. I would say Doc Ock is much better. Uh, and then you got to get in like some of the spider friends, like his his crew. You got to get some Aunt May in there, uh, maybe a little MJ, some Gwen Stacy, some Harry Osborn, because I think that Spider Man really is a good ensemble comic. What about li- what about like literal locations? Is there any place that you would like want to you'd you'd want to be able to see in New- in that version of New York? I mean, the only like real things I know about New York are like the Empire State Building and <laughs> uh, the Statue of Liberty. So I got to see some of that. Um, I don't know. The subway in New York, I'm told, is interesting. So maybe a little bit of subway yep. time. The, the one thing I think the game is lacking is Queens. It doesn't have Queens. It doesn't have Queens. It doesn't have anything outside of Manhattan, which, again, I think Manhattan is iconically Spider-Man. But it does feel a shame to Isn't not have Queens. Isn't he supposed to be from Queens? He is yeah. from Queens. But you can't go to Queens. I guess you, you can't go home. What they said is true. Yeah. <laughs> you can never go home again. Peter Spider-Man. Parker is from Queens, except in... Um, uh, homecoming, where he seems to live in Manhattan. He seems, yeah, Manhattan-ish. He says he's from Queens in Avengers, though. Yeah, yeah. he. Does. I'm sure he's from Queens. I mean, mm. he, he is probably from Queens. It's complicated. Where he is doesn't look very much like Queens. Yeah. It's not a yeah. house, which is what Queens is. It's mostly like pretty yeah, low. It's like I, low density housing. Yeah, it feels. It, it, I don't know. It's definitely. It could be Queens, given that all of New York had to rebuild after it was leveled by aliens. So. Sure. Eh? Yeah, it's like a gentrified, upscale area where he lives with hot Aunt May. Yeah. 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 Who we have to mention is hot every 10 minutes. <laughs> yes. Contractually obligated. The So this game features less hot Aunt less May. Less hot Aunt May. Um, I mean, listen, everybody, anybody can be attractive if, if, they're, you know, if that's what you're yeah, attracted Armand, to. I didn't sign up for this sort of age <laughs> discrimination. That's fair. True. Um, you also, in, in true Spider-Man fashion, do sleep on her couch in her office, yep. which is maybe the most Spider-Man thing you could possibly do. Yeah. Um, to, to the note on the, on the subway, I actually think my favorite part, one of my favorite things about this game, other than the, in the web swing, is how they use the subway, is that you can web swing everywhere, but the subway is just your fast travel system, yeah. which is extremely funny, because yeah. you have these shots of Spider-Man, like, sitting on his phone on the, on the, you know, on the subway going uptown. So he actually just sits on it. Yeah, because yeah, I would imagine him like just grabbing onto the back. So that's so it basically is like four or five different scenes that will show you during the loading screen when you take the subway. One of them is him gripping onto the back, but most of them are just sitting on the subway. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, like if you could go on the subway at some point, like you, uh, you just think that if you were a person on the subway and you saw Spider-Man, I think your response would be like, "Oh, that's a cosplayer." Yeah, yeah exactly. That's you, not really you, Spider-Man. You, you yeah. probably see so many in the Marvel universe, so many Spider people, all, like just out and about. They're just yeah. like, "This is definitely not the real Spider-Man." Mm-hmm. I do not care. Yeah, 
This is a Times Square Spider-Man. Yeah, this is this is the weird off-brand Elmo who <laughs> who, pay, who makes you pay him to take a picture with him. The um, what I liked about the the New York that that you get to kind of explore is like so. There's one is like that stuff. It's like the the nice little um, the nice the nice little like flourishes that they have. But also like there's just um, you get like you get all the kind of. You get Empire State University. Yeah, Empire. Well, state. Yeah, Empire. Empire State University, which is NYU, right? Yeah, it's a fake um, NYU. It's a fake NYU. There's um, uh, the Empire State Building is there, right? Yes. Which, which is there. Statue of Liberty, you can see, but you can't touch. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm not really sure why. No, I mean, I it, guess there's just nothing around it. There was also, uh, and we spent a disproportionate. Oh, amount we spent of time. a long uh, time. The <laughs> second we got on that map, we spent three hours looking for Ground Zero. Oh, yeah, we spent a lot of time looking for Ground Zero, and then I I tweeted at Asomniac, "Where is I would like to go to Ground Zero? Um, where is it?" And um, they did not get back to me. But apparently, they did not get the rights to the World Trade Center. Oh. Or the the geography Zero. of Manhattan is very shifted. Streets aren't quite where they should be. Uh, things aren't quite where they should be. But and yeah, there is no like World Trade Center memorial yeah. uh, area in this game. Well, that's the disadvantage to having your game set in a real city. Yeah, you or have if to get... it's, if it's Gotham or Metropolis, you do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The thing that I think gets we so we talked about uh, Marvel Spider Man during our end of year uh, you know award show where we mm. talked a lot about what we've just talked about right the locomotion the the getting around the city the city itself. Um, kind of the, the depth of, of move, both moving around it, but also sort of appreciating its architecture, right? Like, yeah. that's all really important. Something that, like, we noted when we when we started playing the game was how when you, um, every single window of every apartment building has a little diorama inside. Yeah, which is um, great. So you can, like, see into a window and, and oh, wow. see, like, there's some couches and, and a TV, and that's really cute. Um, but I think something that is, like, honestly just as impressive to me about the game is, is something you touched on, which is, like, the the... Spider-Man's like friends, not his amazing friends, uh, Iceman and uh, uh, Fire Firestar, or S- Sunspot. No, Firestar. 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 Iceman yeah. and Firestar are not here. Those are Spider-Man's amazing friends. Yeah. Neither is the Human Torch. Um. But the, uh, the 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 level of like, hey, we're gonna give Aunt May her due. We're gonna give a actually, I think in my opinion, a really good MJ story. Yeah. Um. And a totally serviceable Miles story in the middle of this otherwise like completely separate story about Spider-Man. Yeah. I think is they, they do a really good job of it in this game. Yeah, and I think also they they managed to with with Aunt May I mean Aunt May gets a, a spoilers gets a, a a bit of a uh tragic end, yeah. but the um the, the the whole thing like for the most part does a good job of like May's relationship to Peter and also like Peter's relationship with um with MJ like there's the the it was the first time I felt like really invested in, like, a MJ-Peter breakup story or even just an MJ-Peter like uh, relationship story. Mm-hmm. Like, it was, it was a significant part of the game, and I thought it actually, like, added quite a bit to the the, the story. Like, the character work on a whole was very strong. Yeah, yeah. The only problems with those other characters is having to play as them was not fun at all. No. But the actual, like, dialogue between MJ and Peter and Miles and Peter um, was really, really good. Yeah. It just sort of, I think, suffered from how much these characters' lives really seem to revolve around Peter. Yeah. Right. right. Which which I feel like is le- sometimes an issue in the comics, but often it does feel like, you know, my, MJ ha- has her own life outside of Peter, which is mm-hmm. always what makes her interesting as a character. Is there anything, like, Justin, when you think of, like, Spider-Man's extended cast, like, when... What, what do you think, like, makes those strong, having read, like, a lot of the comics? Like, the... Um, where does what what makes for a good like I don't even not even MJ because I think like the, Peter and MJ have been the outs for quite a while in in the comics but mm-hmm. like when you have like a, a love interest for a superhero like where where is that strongest? 
Well, I think the reason that it works in Spider-Man and like people always say that Spider-Man's like a normal guy and he's got problems. And I think that that's part of it. But it's also that he has friends and he has a relationship with people outside of being a superhero. Like you don't get a lot of good moments with Batman and Alfred just chatting. Right. And like a good writer can put those in. And I think those are moments I enjoy. But that's not a classic Batman moment. Or you don't think like, oh, you know, it was a great Superman moment was that time that like Clark and Jimmy had lunch at the Daily Planet. Right. But you can actually see like Spider-Man in the middle of something like going to meet his friends for lunch or he's got to run his errands and pick up some laundry or something for Aunt May. Like I I think back to this uh, Spider-Man comic I read um, that was probably from the 80s where he's bought Aunt May a nice hat because she's in the hospital and he's fighting these thugs and he's just trying to keep the hat in the box nice so it doesn't get crushed because he wants to have something nice that he's saved up to buy for her. And I think just moments like that where you're seeing like this is a real person and he actually cares about these people. It makes the story, I think, feel more immediate and more relatable. Mm-hmm. And I think like the the game succeeds on on a lot of those fronts. Even it doesn't have um, you don't have as you don't have like quite the same hat mission. But no, you, there's no there's no depth to like mm-hmm. you have to do this nice thing for this character. But it, but it does you know do a good job of endearing you to them before putting them in danger. Yeah. Um, and and often doesn't make it feel like you are the only thing standing between them and and certain death as much yeah. as it's just like you should do this because it's what Spider Man does. It's what Peter Parker does. Yeah. And they, they made some effort to give MJ some agency in this game with um, those. Mission. I mean, however, yeah, well, the separate like the the gameplay of those missions separate like aside like re reimagining MJ as an investigative reporter is interesting and have in giving her agency in a relationship with with uh, Peter Parker is something that the comics have done for a long time. Though again, that agency was initiated by a demon. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like them taking that, I feel like this comic is extremely inspired by the post uh, Brand New Day like slot run of comics. Right. Um, and just sort of replacing, oh goodness, what was uh, that police detective's name? I don't know if you're being <laughs> She was like, the, the, she was Carly like, Cooper. Yeah. Carly she, Cooper. Right. Very much replacing Carly Cooper with, with MJ and doing a very good job of kind of integrating her into this story. It is, I mean, very inspired by Slot down to having similar, like one of Slot's own villains, right? Yeah. Uh, not not spe- uh, the live stream or whatever her name is. Yes. Um, like and she- he, he also did Mr. Negative, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he also did Mr. Negative, right? You have both these characters. That might have been a JMS character, technically. Oh, uh, maybe. But either way, right? Like these very post-Brand New Day characters are, are the focal point of, of this story, particularly yeah. Mr. Negative. I mean, Mr. Negative, like, he has this big plot line... Um, he has, he had it. I think as part of like the follow up to to Brand New Day and all that, if I'm not mistaken, with because yeah. it was that and then the Doc Ock's big New York plan yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, and then Superior happens, and it's great. Yeah, uh, yeah. The Mister Negative kind of comprises the first first half of this game basically as a villain before it becomes a a Sinister Six and Doc Ock story. Yeah, which I think. Doc Ock is honestly the most disappointing character of, of this game. Yeah. Like, that's too bad. We'll get back to him because I think it's like there's, there's a lot to discuss when it comes to like what makes villains strong and why Doc Ock kind of fails a little. Um, but uh, for for let's get into just the, the nitty gritty of the combat for a second. Oh, like, sure. Yeah. The, Dan, what did you think about the combat in this game? Like when Spider-Man's actually fighting? Because he, he never kills anyone. No, no one ever absolutely d- no one ever dies. When they drop 80 feet off a building, they are <laughs> caught by a web and slapped onto the side of another building. Like in the Arkham games, you can... You can kick somebody just to the edge of a building and they'll miraculously fall down on the side. See, that's the thing. Spider-Man will kick you off a building, but there will be an animation of him shooting a web and it's just like, there's no way. (laughs) 
There's no way on earth. Um, I think the the combat in this game is sort of a, a really good refinement and evolution of the Arkham games. I think it relies a lot more on button timing than it does on, on kind of mashing things out. Your counter is still way too strong, but the punishment for missing the counter is so much heavier. You are a lot flimsier. Guns can actually hurt you, unlike in Batman, where they are merely tickling you. <laughs> um, yeah, you get enough upgrades and then it's fine. Yeah. yeah. Spider-Man actually fears guns unless you have one of the weird suit upgrades that reflects them, at which point, like, that's not really a very strong suit upgrade anyway. Yeah. So the um, the thing that's I find really fun about it is that you have these ways of actually playing the game relatively non-lethally. You can at any point during a combo web somebody up, and it takes more time and it's more difficult. But I do find it be more rewarding, and you do get experience bonuses for doing that, for like yeah. constantly webbing people. And you can end the, the fights have these like really complicated timing, balletic sort of like movements where you have to. It's a lot more about dodging and finding the right timing for a hit, which is extremely Spider-Man, but then also using, like, interesting acrobatics to get in the right positions to web people up in fun ways. Webbing two guys together, slamming them together, and then kicking them off at someone is something that feels extremely Spider-Man, and the game does not make it hard to do as much, or complicated to do as much as it makes it difficult, right? It's not like you have to hit 18 different buttons to make this combo happen as much as you have to be in the right spot and time it all correctly and you will make it happen. Unlike, I feel like, in the Arkham games where it's just like, just sort of press square a bunch and hit R1 once and you're just gonna like just rope three dudes together and throw mm -hmm. them at a wall and it's fine. There, there's some like overly powerful stuff as there are on any of these combo systems where it's like if you launch her, like pretty much nothing is immune to launcher. So if you launch your three dudes and then start like web kicking them over and over again, you can just juggle them infinitely in the, infinitely in the air. And yeah. if anybody happens to have a gun, you just grab their gun, spit like zip it up and web it off to a wall somewhere. Yeah. Like there, there are some things that are just a little too powerful once you get a hold of them. But for the most part, it does like feel extremely good to again you you feel strong but in a way that spider-man should feel strong right it's about dodging it's about finding an opening more than it is just overpowering someone yeah yeah i'm like i'm like i'm curious like what do you find is like from from other spider media what are like strong spider fights for you like a like a good time that i've seen spider-man in a fight yeah like because mm -hmm. i mean like the thing is i like as funny as it is like the Spider-Man, I think, like, most of his big moments, especially in, like, movies, are all character beats more than they are, like, actual, like, brawls. But they are, like, actually, like, a significant part of those run the runtime of those of those films mm -hmm. and also the comics. Like, is there anything that stands out to you in terms of, like, what makes, makes a spider fight good? Well, I think that's a good point that overall, like, I can't think of many fights where I'm like, oh, that was a great Spider-Man battle. Like, I can think of some things with Kraven or with Venom. Um, but even then, like with Venom, the standout moment for me is still him ringing the bell and shaking Venom off himself. Yeah. And that's more of a cerebral moment or more of a character moment than a fight. And and I do think that's the thing with this game is that it does miss. Like, I mean, all video games are going to kind of miss us about Spider-Man to a certain extent, unless they build an entire game around that puzzle solving aspect. Is that mm -hmm. the best Spider-Man fights are the ones where Spider-Man uses his enemies against them or like brains out their weaknesses instead of just punching them into the dirt. Mm -hmm. and And that to me is sort of like. The, the My favorite fights in the game are the Sinister Six fights where you have to fight two people at the same time, but it is you just beating them up and dodging their things separately as opposed to using them against each other or finding some ironic way to beat them or, you know, ringing the bell, right? Mm -hmm. Like, or lighting the fire. There's these things that I think are, are the things you think about when you think, how should Spider-Man fight? Well, Spider-Man fights with his head, not with his fists. Yeah. And unless you build a game to just be that a video game is not going to be able to just do that by itself. And that's a hallmark of Spider-Man too, I think. Like, I, I, I remember back to the Superior Spider-Man storyline when Dr. Octopus switches brains with Spider-Man 
and realizes in one of his first fights where he almost kills somebody that Spider-Man's been holding back, even fighting him right. for the past like 20, 25 years, whatever, that he's always making sure that he's not just out there braining people. Because it's not like, like Batman could kill somebody if he hit them, but not in the same way that Spider-Man could just put his hand through a person's body. Yeah. And he always has to keep that in mind when he's fighting. Yeah, exactly. And and, and that does not necessarily come through in this game, especially in this, like, the, the like, flurry attacks or whatever, where you sort of, like, like you slow time dodge behind somebody's back and punch them eight times in the back of the head. It's just like, that's probably going to kill a man. <laughs> or even just stuff where you're, like, you're swinging up, you, you grab a man, you swing him around, and then you just slam him into the ground over and over and over again. And it's yeah. like, back that man is dead. I don't, extremely like, dead. I don't know what... Flipping this car, this this car um, on this man, <laughs> the man is definitely dead. Yeah, anytime they let you like throw a, a hazard at somebody and you're able to like rip the 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 door off a car, <laughs> spin it across three dudes' chests, <laughs> yeah. and then bring it down on one of their heads, like that man at the very least has three broken ribs and a concussion. The best part about the scorpion rhino fight, two of the characters uh, that show up. Oh yeah, the scorpion the, the, that fight actually works at least for the rhino side of it. Yeah, because you can get rhino to hit scorpion because they keep fighting with each other yeah. and like part of that's part of the goal of the fight I don't think you necessarily have to do that no you don't I actually I didn't know that you could do that at all until you showed me yeah because the, the rhino part of the fight is you need to draw you need to make the rhino run underneath a crane and then pull on the crane to drop to drop like a weight on his head yeah but the scorpion part of the fight is just sort of dodge his shots until you have an opening to swing at him yeah uh, and I didn't realize that you could essentially like lead the rhino into the poison and then make rhino charge scorpion yeah which is like a good which is like actually a really good like a good comment reminiscent way I mean you wouldn't have to do it three times because that's what video games do yes. but like it's a good idea for what like you need to do in a, in a Spider-Man fight it's like the closest they came to kind of that puzzle solving aspect as opposed to the final fight which is just I guess like swing, a, swing around electricity everywhere let's punch something yeah can I talk about Doc Ock yeah let's talk about let's Doc talk Ock about that. so Doc Ock is probably like I think he's one of the best Marvel villains. He's definitely not the best. He's not Doctor Doom. But he's, like, in my head, like, top five Marvel villains. Like, especially after stuff like Superior Spider-Man. He's still a doctor. Hmm? He's still a doctor. He's still a doctor. (laughs) Um, That's true. That's true. Doctors just make good villains. Don't trust your medical (laughs) professionals. Um, the, The thing that's so great, I feel like, about Doctor Octopus is that he they do a very good they've done a very good job about recasting him in recent years as sort of just like Peter Parker gone wrong mm-hmm. yeah right and there's this idea that like a lot of those early Spider-Man villains are a high schooler's problem writ large and and Doc Ox is very simply you know you imagine yourself turning into a bad adult yeah and I feel like looking at the Doc Octopus they have they do such a good job of setting him up as someone who's sympathetic and wow, I really appreciate this relationship they've built between Peter and, um, oh goodness, I cannot remember, Octa- and, and Otto, right? Yeah. And then he just sort of develops mad scientist syndrome and goes crazy. Yeah. And there's no real reason for him to be a bad guy other than a uh, mysterious brain thing that shows up halfway through the plot and then an even more mysterious brain chip that shows up a few minutes later. I mean, the wild thing is that the, the mechanism that they use to make him go bad is, like, not super dissimilar from the one they use in Spider-Man 2, right? Because, like, in Spider-Man 2, the whole thing is Dr. Ock has, like... Doc Ock has... so. It has a wild leap, but if you pay attention to what is going on, is like is weird to think about. So Doc Ock has has made cold fusion possible. Yes, and 
to handle cold fusion, apparently you, you can need... only make it happen with mechanical arms. Yeah, you can't touch it, and you got to have cool spider tentacles. Yeah, so you 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 gotta like that's the only way it works. And he needs it needs to be attached to a human. And so to make sure that you can control the arms properly, there's an AI chip between the um between the mechanical arms and his head. So when like things go bad in Spider-Man Two, the the AI chip. Suddenly, the, the arms can talk to uh, to to Otto, and they can they they make him do crimes. Yeah, um, which That's is like all that arms want to do is make you do crimes. Right? Yeah, <laughs> That's, never invent arms. <laughs> but like the reason it works is because you get like you basically it's like a, a movie is two hours, right? You yeah. get this huge crunch where it's like okay, he's bad. Like you just yeah. need a thing. Yeah, right. With this, like Ock goes like. What feels like ten hours of, yeah, game of just pl- being like a very nice, sweet man who kind of doesn't like Norman Osborn yeah. to a cackling mad scientist whose arms make him do crimes. Right. Just at like just one cutscene, and he's suddenly the bad guy. Which is just bad storytelling. Yeah. That's, that's not Auk either. Like I, I think what you said about him being Peter gone wrong is, I think, a better way. Like he's Peter Parker if he didn't have empathy and if he only cared about himself and just looked at everybody being mean to him and saw all these things going wrong and just never took any responsibility and just decided to live in that. Which which is the issue of, like, that first part of that game is absolutely, here is the most empathetic Otto Octavius you've ever seen in your life. He's making these arms to give, like, combat veterans who are who have lost limbs in the war, give them a chance mm-hmm. to, like, hold their children again is literally the example he gives. Like, this is the nicest, kindest, most good guy Otto you have. And he just sort of has a brain chip that goes haywire uh, because he's going to lose control of his arms. He makes a brain chip that lets him get the uh, robot arms and the brain chip goes haywire and all of a sudden fuck Norman Osborn! (laughs) I think it's time for a quick break. We'll get back to our Ock Talk in just a sec. So this show is largely possible thanks to CJRU 1280 AM. It's a community and campus radio station that gets a lot of its funding from Ryerson University. And Ryerson gets that money from student levies, which students pay as a portion of their tuition. The Ontario government wants to change how that funding model is working. If they let students opt out of funding projects like the radio station, the station could pretty easily shut down. Which is bad for us because we need a new studio and a new home for our shows. But it would also be bad for the dozens of other music programs on CGRU, or not to mention the news and the arts coverage. So... It's also a great place for students to actually produce and learn about radio. Hell, it's I'm pretty sure how we all got our starts, podcasting and making radio. So make your voice heard when the province brings forward this proposal. Make sure that Ryerson and the government know that you want stations like CJRU to be funded. Okay, so like the actual thing with... Otto Octavius that yeah. is wild in this game is that he goes so he goes for that incredibly empathetic thing mm-hmm. and then he like he's like okay now I'm gonna use the arms and then you come in and it's like oh wait there's like a thing in like the mind connection it's, thing it's basically like, poison you come in there and, and and find out that Otto has a medical issue that will eventually make him lose control of his arms and limbs and he will be in a wheelchair forever and Otto's and Otto's just like I'm gonna use these robot arms forever not a problem and you find out that the brain chip is some sort of poison that will slowly alter his brain chemistry and you tell him to stop and he says yes but he doesn't stop and but, then he's evil the next day well it's it's what because like you walk in and then like it's like because okay it's like it's pretty quickly 
Peter, I have a, I have a degenerative disease. Peter, I have these cool arms. Peter, I'm never t- turning taking off which, the arms. And then you find his like secret evil base hideout on top of Times Square. Which, wow, that must have cost a lot of money. But, yeah, and a lot of time. And a lot of time. Which is the thing. He had to have been doing this for months. Yeah. So was he evil the whole time? Does he? Be- it kind of betrays the character they've been working on this this for most of the game. Yeah. Again, they really do a good job of making this very empathetic character who you want to care about. And then he just sort of flips a switch and turns evil. And then it was revealed, no, he was evil for months. He was tricking you that first part of the game. But that doesn't make any sense. And then his final boss fight is garbage. Yeah, I mean, tell me about that. I, I can, that final boss fight is so boring. Because it's like, it's basically a PS2 boss fight. Where oh, yeah. it's like, here's this dude. Here's like this dude who's like unusually strong, surrounded by electricity or something. Justin, did you beat Arkham Asylum? Yeah. Do you remember that Joker boss fight at the end that everyone hates? Yeah. It's literally the exact same boss fight. It's just with Otto. There's no goons running at you, but it's just Otto swinging around this one pole. You are swinging around the same pole, throwing a million gadgets at him. And when you open it up, you get a little like QTE where you punch him a couple times, and then you're back to swinging right. until or another like an early Zelda up. boss where you just yeah. dodge until you get a chance to attack. Yeah, it's it's just awful. Right? No, that doesn't sound good. And it definitely like this is a game where there's a lot more like punching going on outside of the stealth segments, which are ripped straight out. Like the the the, yeah. the there are several missions where you have to basically case a joint and take out all the goons inside the joint, and they're mm-hmm. ripped right out of an Arkham game. Um, but this is definitely more of a punchy game, and it just ends on a punchy fight uh, with a really weird scene where Spider-Man, knowing that he <laughs> is about to go fight Dr. Octopus, this is maybe the best, the weirdest scene in the game, and this is not actually a spoiler, but knowing that he has to go and fight Dr. Octopus has just basically woken up from a coma, and he's like, I need to make myself a new suit. <laughs> Makes him goes into the lab where he worked with Doc Ock, makes some sort of like this like black and green and yellow, like shiny sure. metallic looking suit, and goes to fight Dr. Octopus. The suit's special power is that it never runs out of gadgets. It seems to have like nano machines that constantly make more gadgets. It doesn't make okay. any sense. It doesn't like make a- any sense. But again, it looks like it's made of metal until Dr. Octopus rakes one of his like tentacles across the suit. Yeah. At which point it revealed that it was fabric and he's wearing the regular Spider-Man costume underneath. So why didn't you just give yourself something that makes infinite gadgets? I don't know what's <laughs> happening. Barring the weird turn aside, they do one good moment with Doc at the very end of the game where they do a thing where... Um, he's like begging for his life at that point, yeah. and and he's like, "Don't worry, Peter, I'll keep your secret." And then it's like it's very clearly that this is blackmail. Like, yeah. keep keep all of the shit that I've done be- like um, quiet, and I'll keep your thing quiet. Um, and then Peter's like, "No," like is very clearly gets the, the drift. Does he kill Doc at the no, end? No, Doc goes. To, to the to, raft, I'm yeah. pretty sure at the very end. He does fall like several feet, but Peter has a web on him, which right. should work, I guess. Yeah. But I don't believe Peter kills him straight out. Okay, fair enough. He just, sort of leave, he just sort of leaves him for the cops to take to, to the raft. Okay, so like having heard all of this, what would you say? Like, what, what, when you hear, for, when you're looking for a Doc Ock story, what's a good Doc Ock story? Something, I think, personal. Um, where you can actually care about what Doc Ock is doing and also about the stakes for Spider-Man. Uh, for example, Doc Ock is going to marry Aunt May. <laughs> yep, I was gonna, yeah. I was, that was what that's, I was going to bring up, is that that is uh, a very good Doc Ock yeah, story. That, the game just should have based around that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually think probably the best Doc Ock story is still in Superior Spider-Man with the, with the Switch when he figures out who Peter is and really building into the rivalry of those characters because I think they're both very similar. 
and just having them fight each other as people who don't know one another, I don't think is great. And I rather see them sort of more connected like that. Can you talk like talk a bit about like what Superior is about? Because I think it's like it it is one of the better Spider-Man stories, but it's like it's also kind of comes from a, a little bit of a wacky premise. Yeah. Well, the idea is that Doc Ock is super old and like worn down. He basically looks like a mummy. Um, I forget why. It's comics, sort of like some, yeah, he gets super hyper aged somehow. Yeah. And so he builds like this Octobot, which is like a small robot that looks like the thing in The Incredibles that Syndrome sends after Mr. Incredible. Okay. And it's like tiny and it crawls up like Spider-Man's back and like zaps him and swaps their brains. Okay. And so then Spider-Man is trapped in old ass Doc Ock and like all the police are trying to take him down. And then Doc Ock is Spider-Man. So there's a scramble, and this happened in, like, Spider-Man issue 700. Um, So it was supposed to be, like, a big event at the time. Um, This was when I was still buying, like, monthly comics, sort of when I just started. So it was really exciting, I remember. And they, you think that Spider-Man is dead. Like, he's, it's showing as if he's finally going to beat Doc Ock, but then he just disappears. Doc Ock takes over his body. And then there's multiple issues of Doc Ock as Spider-Man before you find out that Peter's consciousness is still alive in there. Right. And so it's Doc Ock at first maybe trying to be a hero and trying to take the lessons that Spider-Man's learned because now he has all his memories. Yeah. Um, and actually trying to make something of his life and be better. But because Doc Ock is still at his core kind of an evil person, right. um, it's not really working. And it's sort of him devolving back into a villain and then Peter slowly trying to reclaim his body and reclaim his life. Can you give me like a, like a good example of like how, how Doc tries to be a, a hero but ultimately fails? He, there's this villain called Spider Slayer who I think has something to do with J- Jonah Jameson who's basically like a mercenary who's trying to kill Spider-Man. Sure. Um, and that's like his one purpose. That's why his name is Spider Slayer, I guess. Um, and... Doc Ock starts, like, he kills him and then starts killing more villains after this and basically becomes a more lethal version of Spider-Man. Or he creates sort of like a Spider-Man police state and he's got little Spidey robots going around everywhere spying on people so that he can stop crime. And he's sort of terrorizing the city by trying to save it because he doesn't know how to do this in an empathetic way that actually protects how people feel as well as just their safety. I mean, the thing that I found, I found like, that I, I really enjoyed out of that plotline also was, like, Ock just doesn't, like, the, the part that you mentioned about empathy, where, like, he is saving people, but in the way that, like, like a totalitarian government would. Like, he doesn't know what it means, like, I, what it means to be a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. I and mean, he literally does develop, if I'm not mistaken, those robots, essentially, that, like, constantly, like, the drones that constantly keep mm-hmm. a track of people and watch people all the time. Like, he literally develops a bizarre fascistic spider state. Yeah, it's like if you were, like, if you had, like, an ant farm and you're keeping all your ants safe. Yeah. By just, like, keeping them. But you're not feeding them. You're not taking care of them. You're not doing anything. They're just there. Yeah. There's, um... It's like, and the thing I thought was like interesting about dynamic was always like, because he still thinks he's the hero. Like, he still thinks he's doing like a good job. Mm-hmm. And I thought was like, that's kind of what I want out of Doc Ock stories. Like, I, he, ultimately, he thinks that he is doing something right. Yeah. Like, he thinks that he's been persecuted and that it's everybody's fault that he's like this and that he can't get ahead in life. And he doesn't think that maybe it's something wrong with him and his outlook. 
which is like an interesting contrast, I think, to uh, how the game handles um, Mr. Negative. Right. But I think they they actually try to give like a full beginning, middle, end to the guy. Yeah. But they do. I think he he gets like pretty short shrift. He the gets game. pretty short shrifted because about halfway through, they're like, "Whoops, he wasn't actually the bad guy. Here's Doctor Octopus." Yeah. The the Mr. Negative story. I think they do a good job of connecting him to to Norman and giving him a reason to be here and giving him a reason to be this sort of like like spammer and spanner in the works, right? Yeah. But he definitely does sort of like he is just sort of magic and powerful and we're just gonna let him be that and that's sort of where he kind of ends I don't know about Mr. Negative like I don't think I've read oh because he yeah he's definitely because if you started reading with like Superior around that's when you like start reading about the comics Mr. Negative is um, Martin Lee a successful uh, Chinese American businessman who runs Feast which is a uh, kind of franchise of homeless shelters and soup kitchens that Aunt May begins working at. And it's revealed that actually he's using this all as a money laundering front for his real thing, which is a um, a street gang called the Inner Demons, where are a bunch of uh, thugs that he has given sort of part of his strange mystical powers, the ability to sort of like charge things negatively. Um, he, he himself looks like if you took just a regular guy and hit control I on him in Photoshop. Okay. Uh, and, uh, Convert all the colors. Yeah. The, the, his, his story essentially in, um, in, in this PS4 game is that he was tested on for some sort of superpower ability, uh, early on in Norman and Norman Osborn and Dr. Octopus's career. Um, Doc Ock has been giving him serums to keep his condition under control after he found out what Norman did to him. And he wants revenge on Norman for turning him into a monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he slowly, slowly cannot keep himself under control and has to stay Mr. Negative more often than being Martin Lee. Yeah. He's, like, an interesting visual style, and it's good to get... I don't know. Like, it's just nice to have, like, an, a, a really different idea for an, a, a character. Ah, okay. I think he is good, because he does sort of fulfill the same role that the Kingpin does, just yes. with a little bit more mystical energy. And I think they've, looking at it, they've done the right thing. They've moved him to Shanghai and had him be a villain for sort of, like, Marvel's uh, China-based heroes. That makes more sense. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, you do run the you do run the issue of like if especially in a New York setting of like them becoming the Asian gang. Yeah, and it, it does become kind of weird. Although I don't know, there's a benefit to it in in the Spider-Man game where it's just like you're just punching a lot of dudes speaking Mandarin. You're yeah, a lot of dudes speaking Mandarin. It's very strange. The the positive element of that is that like the I feel like the Kingpin bad guys their their dialogue gets really repetitive really fast when you hit them. Yep, it's like Spider. All of the, it's funny because I feel like there was a lot of talk when this game came out about how like strangely pro cops this Spider-Man is yeah. when Spider-Man has never necessarily been that character. There's a lot of interesting, like there's only so models for every gang. And so the Kingpin's gang is all white yeah, for the most part. And the, obviously Mr. Negative's inner demons are all, you know, of Chinese origin speaking Mandarin, but all of the criminals who are freed later are like there don't <laughs> seem to be any white criminals. No, they're all like Latino. They're or all black. Latino or black, and it's just this feels strange. This is not great commentary, Spider Man. I mean, okay, but that cop element, like the um, the that was a huge thing when the game came out. But that yeah. Spider Man ended up being pro cop. Like, has Spider Man been a cop friendly character in the past with the comics or at least the stuff you've read? I think it really depends on the superhero, and part of this is just over time superheroes became gradually more pro-police and pro-establishment. And then I think they've drifted away and now they're more at a neutral point. Right. But, like, for example, when Batman and Superman first came out, they were very much 
vigilantes, and they would still work to help police and do the good thing, but they weren't necessarily trusted figures. And then with the Comics Code Authority, they became very much like duly deputized members of law enforcement. Like Batman would have his badge. He's out in the middle of the day doing things. Um, And then I think as we got into the 80s and 90s, there was some more of that rebel vigilante type thing returned. And as we got through the aughts and the 2010s, now we're more at a neutral point, and it can kind of depend on the character. Right. And I think that Spider-Man's at a point where he is friendly with law enforcement, but he's not working for them. I mean, when you were playing the game, did you find that, like, Spider-Man's relationship to a police made made it kind of, like, awkward for what the, the amount of crimes that he's probably committing? It's not – it was less about that and more about, like, I think it's fine having him have a relationship with, like uh, – uh, oh goodness! What is her name? Officer Yuri. Uh, Yuri something. Yuri Watanabe, I think. Yes. Um, having him have that relationship with with Yuri, I think, is fine, right? In the same way that Batman has a relationship with Jim Gordon, right? Mm-hmm. Like that checks out and works. But it's the way that most that your way of opening up the map is to um, like literally reactivate the police's surveillance right. network that spies on people. That was the one that struck me. I'm like, this is something that Spider Man would actively not want because it would one be harmful to him, but two is like. A literally a supervillain <laughs> plot he has probably stopped several times mm. in the past. Yeah. Um, and in the same way that, like, Spider-Man showing up and the cops are like, oh, it's great, it's Spider-Man. Like, that just sort of, it doesn't ring as true as just, like, they, they've never liked Spider-Man, right? Just, like, no. Spider-Man as a character has never been one where the cops show up and it's like, oh, it's the same way that the cops love it when Superman shows up. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, when Spider-Man shows up, that means something has gone horribly wrong. <laughs> Like they do a good job, I think, of this in, in Spider Verse, where like even whether whether it, Miles or is Spider Man or not, like the police pretty much like his dad, who is Jefferson Davis, and Jefferson Davis is in both games. Yeah, he's in, in both games. Yeah, in, in this game and the the movie. And is he a police officer in the the game? Yes, yes, he is. in the yeah. comics. I don't think he's a police officer. No, the comics are really weird when yeah. it comes to when it comes to yeah, Miles. They, dad. He, they just sort of like I think modern interpretations. Modern. It's been a decade, but <laughs> mo- like like recent interpretations of of Miles's family have really stuck to. Dad is a cop, mom is a nurse. Okay. Yeah. And then Try uncle to give is very a... like lawful good professions and yeah, and, and uncle is a criminal. Yeah. Um did you read all of Ultimate Spider-Man? I think you did. I re- yeah, a couple of years back I went back and read everything. Like when before when everything merged in Secret Wars, I read every all of the Ultimate Universe. I've back. read all the Miles stuff. I haven't read all the Ultimate Spider-Man. We'll get to I think Miles in a second, but the the thing with Jefferson at least uh the thing with Jefferson like in in Spider-Verse, I think he represents like a really good relationship with the the way that like Spider-Man has traditionally had a relationship with the police where it's like the police kind of don't like it. Like it's just like this is a person who is more or less breaking the law who is like they they tolerate it cuz it, it solves problems but they're not like e- they're not eager to say hey yeah Spider-Man we're going to work with you to to help solve problems and Spider-Man's not also there being like yeah police mm-hmm. do do your best man well, yeah. and it's not like Spider-Man is super highly functional all the time either like he yep. makes mistakes like Batman the police are like okay he's got a skill set and he can do things that we can't do or we're not allowed to do yep. so we're going to allow him to go that extra length yeah. But with Spider-Man, you don't I don't think police or even people in New York necessarily have the sense that he's super competent. Yeah. The other character that you kind of get to play for very briefly is Miles. How did you feel like Miles was handled in in the, in the Spider-Man? I I really like Miles's characterization overall. I really like it was kind of not surprising really, but I was just like it was nice that he got like 
shrift, any shrift at all. Like, I feel like he is a character who, when you have a very Peter-centric focused me- piece of media, up until at least Spider-Verse, the, the movie, I feel like he is the character. Like, if it's Peter and Miles, Peter is always going to end up being the focus. Like, if you mm-hmm. read that uh, that Spider-Man comic, it's quite good, but it, it definitely feels like more of a Peter story than a Miles story, for example. Um, and it's like, that's even when we're, where Miles is supposed to be the main character, especially yeah. in the first one. Exactly, yeah. And, and so I feel like letting... Um, letting Miles have some of the spotlight is nice. I feel like he is part of the story after his his father dies, which is how he's like brought into the plot. Yeah, uh, and he starts working at Feast after yeah, his dad, he, the cop, dies. Exactly, and and his interactions with Spider Man, Spider Man teaching him how to throw a punch, is a really good moment. Um, Spider Man teaching him how to do this. Miles being a hacker is kind of a weird <laughs> touch. Oh. Um, they had to get him involved in the plot somehow, and it's like I guess he can hack things real fast. Having him drones. A, having him be a Spider Man fanboy is extremely cute, and having him look up to Spider Man works really well for the character. I think they want him to be for like future entries in this mm. version of the Spider Man universe. But the hacker stuff feels like weird, and it's just like this is a strange. Just like what do kids do? They hack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, how many hackers do we realistically need? I would say, like, two. Well, MJ can't be the hacker, so it's got to be, be Miles. Yeah. It's yeah. not going to be Aunt May. Aunt May's not hacking anything. I just mean, like, across of all media. Like, yeah. It's just too much. It's just too yeah. We need two hackers, all media. You get all to pick media, up. yeah. They just need to introduce Gank and then make that the hacker. I guess yeah. Gank, is, is he in the game? No. Okay. Gank is not in the game, and, and, and neither is, like, Homecoming's version of Gank, which is Ned. Yeah. Or did, was... They had Gunk in Spider Verse, right? Like, yeah, yeah. He's, he doesn't have like a speaking role, but he's there. Yeah, he's like the the roommate, right? Yeah, he's he, a roommate who passes out. But when he, he has like long hair instead of spiky hair, if I remember correctly. I thought something like that. Or he was wearing a hat at the very mm-hmm. least. I was wondering, like, what, what would you say is like is Miles' strengths from both, like looking at, looking at both the comic and then the most recent, like the Spider Verse film? Where, where does like Miles get like sh- like shine the strongest? Um. Hmm. Miles, I think, is more confident in a lot of ways, just as a character by himself. Um, I think Peter Parker becomes a lot more confident as he matures, but Miles is, like, actually a pretty cool kid to begin with. Right. Um, And I think that that gives him an extra confidence boost when he becomes Spider-Man. Like, he picks things up a lot more quickly, and he's got more of a model to follow, so he's not so afraid of doing certain things, just in the sense that, like, I'm I'm always going back to Batman, but like Nightwing yeah. is like Dick Grayson when he's matured and he's followed Batman's footsteps, but he can kind of have fun with it because he's got a model to look forward to and he's not just doing all this by himself. And right. I think Miles is a legacy character in the same way where he also maybe has a little bit more fun with Spider-Man. I don't think he's quite as tortured as Peter is. Right. I think that in the one of the greatest strengths of Spider-Man is that the difference that I always like, Spider-Man and Superman are two of my favorite characters, and that Superman is the guy that you should want to be, but Spider-Man is the guy that you could be, right? Mm-hmm. Anybody could be Spider-Man. Um, and when I think that just Miles is just inherently more relatable to the generation of people that should want to be Spider-Man than Peter is, right? Yeah. Not only is he younger, but just, you know, his attitude, his interests, his... The, his his way, his his way of thinking, right? That confidence he has, that a little bit less tortured, a little bit more open to new things, like his ability to to be more flexible in that way. I just think makes him more appealing as as a Spider Man. Yeah, and I I don't think like Miles to me doesn't have any really strong personality traits that jump out at me as being like ah oh, like that's a Miles thing. Mm-hmm. But he's just like he seems comfortable in who he is, uh, and I think that's a big part of his character. And he's also 
he's a little more, I guess, like you said, a little more every man yeah. than Peter is. Yeah, for I think for I think the thing that always at least defines the difference between them for me is that for Peter, Spider-Man is an escape from being Peter Parker, and for Miles, being Spider-Man is a chance to prove what Miles Morales is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a good way of looking at it. Peter starts on starts off as like kind of a fairly like put down upon working class, if not like kind of poor in the original comics, where he's he's like pretty low, like pretty not great off. He can like barely afford university. Now, when you see Peter, though, I don't think he has that the same connotation. No, I think Slot took that from him. Like he's yeah. loaded now. Yeah, yeah. He's, and they, they've they've made him they've made him like broke again. But it's just like there was a solid decade where Peter Parker was he working was like in a, a fancy Tony tech Stark lab. Guy. Then yeah. he was running that tech lab. Like there was just too like wasn't Slot's like post superior run basically just Peter Parker industrialist? Yeah, it's like Sp- Spider Man Worldwide or something like that. Yeah. yeah, I didn't finish it, but that was it, it the idea. It just didn't appeal to me at no. all. It just missed the point of being Peter Parker. I mean, why do you think that 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 doesn't as ring as true? I think that for the 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 cause of the Parker luck, which I think they do really well in in Spider Man for 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 PS4, is the idea of like everything bad has to happen to Peter Parker and he doesn't have a way out of it. He can't Spider-Man his way out of Peter Parker's problems. Right. Spider-Man's problems, yeah, he can web-sling, he can punch his way out of Spider-Man's problems, but he cannot do that for Peter Parker's problems. He can't web-sling his way out of being evicted from his apartment because he got fired from his job because the funding got cut to his lab. You know what I mean? And I feel like that that interpretation of Spider-Man is being loaded and also having oh well literally in the in the like 1980s Iron Man way well Iron Man Spider-Man is my bodyguard and Hobie Parker is going to pretend to be uh to be Spider-Man standing next to me so it looks like he's not me <laughs> like it doesn't work you can just Spider-Man your way to problems you throw money at it or you web-sling the problem and it's over and yeah. and to me like the line between Peter Parker and Spider-Man is actually very very like clear and he doesn't get to mix and match them in the way that I feel like even a character like Miles gets to mix and match the problem and solution. Right. And like being an industrialist in some way, kind of like, it's like you get to suddenly just solve the money problem with money. Right. It's like, do I need like all of a sudden it's like, why couldn't you make Aunt May's like bake off or whatever? Clearly you should have just paid more money to get you there in time. You can pay for a a damn jet if you wanted. Yeah. And and again, it, it comes down to, I feel like Peter Parker should be to some extent the everyman you should be able to see yourself be spider-man and when spider-man is a multi-millionaire who flies around the world in a spider-shaped jet you kind of lose some of that yeah yeah um which about like i think like one, one thing that's interesting on top of that is like so you get you kind of get to go back to those roots with with miles but i think also when you think of that every that kind of like generic everyman that everyman has like become a person of color at least in like popular consciousness and in some ways it always was but like in in at least like in I the United it, States, I think, particularly, right? Yeah, like and in, in New York, particularly, yeah. right? Um, I, I definitely think Miles is able to... This is a room of... of like, I thinking <laughs> of me as a white dude, right? Like, I, I do think that Miles is is more relatable in that way. And I, yeah. I, I think it doesn't matter what, you know, what, what ethnicity you are, what the color of your skin are. It's really easy to relate to Miles as this kid who is comfortable in his own skin, comfortable in being himself, and, and has this kind of call to greatness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's. I think. Although I will say one point from the game that I find very suspect is that the way that Miles reveals that he has spider powers and Peter, I think they both have their shirts off and then hang from the ceiling. <laughs> yes, they do do that. <laughs> they do. Or they are both shirtless and jump onto the ceiling. It's like, man, this is like Top Gun all over again. What's gonna happen next? I have something to show you. And then he takes <laughs> off his shirt and jumps onto the ceiling. I'm like, wow, Miles, uh, that was very forward of you. 
Do you get to fight as Miles at all in the game? No, no? not at all. Okay. All of his missions are him running away from something while hacking various things to mm. distract the people chasing him. Okay, that's probably good because I feel like one of my problems with Miles' combat generally is he just keeps zapping everybody. Yeah. And at least in almost all of the Bendis comics, it always works. Mm-hmm. Right. And, I don't know, it gets kind of boring. I yeah, think. yeah. He, he solves all his problems with his cool spiders thing, and it just ends things. And it's, yeah. uh, it, it feels, this is off topic severely, but the spider thing, thing feels like something I saw on a Spider-Man action figure that, like, I asked my mom <laughs> to buy me in 1999. What would you guys want in terms of, like, how could you make a Miles character play differently from, from just playing as Peter if you were to put, put those in a video game? Where do, you, where do you think that the characters can kind of a little differentiate in gameplay? The stealth is obvious. Like, you'd add in something with the invisibility. And I think you would use the spider sting, but I just wouldn't want it to be, like, an auto-takedown on whoever you used it on. Right. Yeah, I think you, you put that thing on a pretty severe cooldown. And, mm-hmm. and, yeah, I think you... Really, what I think they should have done with this game, and what I would like them to do if they do more Miles stuff, is that you give Miles the... the You give Miles just, like, those stealth missions at one after another, those single-room missions from Arkham, the ones that they take for this, for the base missions, like... Give him those over and over again because he is he does kind of ha- again he has the invisibility he has the the ranged takedown right like you get to have a stealth character yeah. in, in a way that like with when you're playing uh, as as Peter in this game you kind of have to like ju- you kind of have to juggle around some of your abilities to make them work in a stealth context. Mm-hmm. I also feel like he's less web based, mm-hmm. but I because th- I think for a while he didn't even have web shooters in the comics. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like he doesn't have the same access to web fluid, or at least he logically shouldn't. Mm-hmm. He probably does have webs in most of the books. Come to think of it, yeah. Um, but I also imagine him as being a little less gadget based than Peter. Yeah, for sure. He isn't the same kind of super genius. He mm-hmm. does, he isn't an adult with a lab where he can build drones that fire webs at people. Yeah. I think that's. I think we have we've talked about Spider Man for officially an hour. Our duty is done. We have we have given our service both to to the station and to all you listeners who who help put some forward some money for our shows. Absurdly or not, good choice. Thank you, you people. But also, man, you need to make better choice of your money. Do support public radio, please. Yeah, support public radio. Don't support podcasts like J. J. Jonah Jameson's uh, Just the Facts with Triple J. Yeah, we should get. Like, we should do a follow up podcast just purely on, on purely that. on yeah the editing and the structure of oh. uh, Just the Facts with J. Jonah Jameson. You've been listening to Built to Play. And Radio Free Krypton. I've been Armin Bali. I've been Daniel Rosen. I've been Justin Chandler. You can follow us, Built to Play, on Twitter, at Built to Play, or visit our website, builttoplay.ca. Radio Free Krypton's on Twitter and Instagram at RF Krypton, Facebook, Radio Free Krypton, and our website is radiofreekrypton.simplecast.fm. So you can find us on Facebook. You can also recommend us on Apple Podcasts, on Google podcasts on stitcher on anywhere podcatchers the internet just make sure when you do tell a friend that you like the show review us right when you can it helps the show a lot it helps it'll help radio free krypton a lot um it gets us up there um but yeah thanks so much for listening you can you can find me at flarkon that's f-l-a-r-k-c-o-n on twitter i'm mr underscore lois underscore lane and I'm at Daniel underscore Rosen. And remember, I want pictures of that no good, wall crawling, web slinging, arachnid loving, clone having, armpit webbing Spider Man. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>
didn't sing my song. Okay. Oh. Okay. Please okay. sing the song. Okay, are you ready? Get ready for it. Go for it. Built to play, built to play, built to play, and RFK. I am Justin. Yes, I am. That's Armand, and that's Dan. Look out. It is built to play with RFK. That was perfect. That was perfect. That was wonderful.